the other thing you texted me that just killed me during this whole thing (laughs) (laughs) was was uh joel and anakin skywalker would get along so well because of their dislike of sand everybody and welcome to another episode of Cinefleck. I am your host Ethan Colburn. How's everyone doing this week? Um, I'm a little bummed. Thomas has left back for college. He's going back to school in Arizona. So if you know, Thomas came out on our third episode, talked about Dead Poet Society, my brother. Uh, I miss him. I miss him a lot. Uh, but other than that, I'm great. Uh, this week on the show, I'm super, super excited for this episode. I have a friend of mine from Letterboxd. Uh, for those of you who don't know, I think Letterboxd probably makes up like over half my listeners. But like for those of you who don't know, Letterboxd is sort of a site where it's like social media for film nerds where you can like like and comment on each other's reviews. So I met our amazing guest, Clara Curtis, on that, uh, asked her on the show. She was very enthusiastic about coming on. And uh, and I think the episode turned out really, really well because of that. Um, so we drank Blue Ruins on the show, and I forgot to get into the history of that drink, so I sort of explain how she, she does serve Blue Ruins in the movie, but, uh, the Curacao comes from, uh, comes from an island, a Dutch island that's just off the coast of Venezuela and the Caribbean, and then gin and tonic was often drank by sailors, uh, to get what they thought they needed of their dose of quinine to combat malaria. So if you were a Dutch sailor sailing from Africa to the Caribbean, it's not inconceivable you would have thought of something along this uh, something along these lines for a drink. So uh, yeah, you can find um, all the drink recipes on my social media. I, I post them before uh, each episode that comes out. So you can find, uh, the recipe if you want to try a blue ruin on my Instagram and Twitter. Uh, yeah. Next week on the show, I'm super excited. I have, uh, my former boss from the Stanford theater and good friend of mine, Charlie, uh, um, and we're talking about strange little cat. Uh, Charlie and I split a criterion subscription. So we're, we're, we're very close. You guys, Um, so we're talking about strange little cat, which is a, uh, it's, it's a very little scene movie. I really, really hope I can convince you guys to watch this before the episode comes out. It's only 70 minutes. So very short. Uh, and I had like an amazing, amazing conversation with him. So please, if you get the chance, watch this movie, uh, love to love to hear your thoughts on it. And I think it was really worthwhile for me. Um, what else about this episode? I don't know if I was more in love with the movie or the word completely. So if you want, if you want a uh, drinking game that'll get you really drunk during this episode, uh, drink every time I say completely, it will. Uh, y- you'll be pretty messed up by the end of this. Um, my stutter was not great in this interview. It, I have I've talked I talked about that briefly in the first episode. I get I have worse days and better days. Uh, it's kind of random, but you know it wasn't great in this, but uh other the conversation was other otherwise great 
Um, also just wanted to briefly announce uh, the giveaway. So I had two winners for the giveaway, Aiden and Austin. So congrats to those two. Aiden got the one month to the one month subscription to the Criterion channel and Austin got uh, the drink recipe book. So uh, congratulations to those two. Uh, giveaway was really successful. I, I really like, I, I re- thank you guys all for participating. I'll be looking to do possibly another one in the future. Uh, anyways, without further ado, uh, here is my episode, Eternal Sunshine and Spotless Mind with Clara. Hope you enjoy. Hi. I'm sorry? I just said hi. Hi, hello. Hi. Okay, if I sit closer? How far are you going? Uh, Rockville Center. Get out. Me too. Really? What are the odds? Do I know you? Do you ever shop at Barnes and Noble? Like, I'm not sure why I decided to watch a Charlie Kaufman movie right before I started recording because I feel like that just broke me. <laughs> like, <laughs> I feel like that just that movie just destroyed. Oh yeah, no, that I'm is a, like I'm a broke. <laughs> I'm like a shell of myself. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, that was. <laughs> yeah, that that I forgot how like intense that last scene is <laughs> like not in a good state <laughs> oh my god that, it, it's brutal it's like it's really it's it's a it's it's a really really brutal brutal movie um <sighs> yeah <laughs> what, do you have any like initial thoughts like i know let's it's like i know like, pull ourselves together I think my initial thought is it's been a little while since I've I've seen that and so like it almost feels like I almost like forgot certain things about it which is like kind of that fun like ironic type of thing about a movie like this and so like oh rewatching it like there's just so much more that you notice like every time you rewatch it like there's more little like hidden like hints of what's coming and so, like, it was just so, it felt like I was catching so much more of them this time, which was, like, so fun and, like, exciting. I was like, oh, my gosh, look at all these little sad things that are alluding to <laughs> what's little, about to happen. Little hints of sadness. Yeah, no, yes. I mean, like, I texted you. I I, I totally forgot about the Kirsten Dunst plotline, which, like, I mean, yeah. it feels like, I mean, feels, like, so essential to the story, but... I just remember that they remember somehow that they were dating and then, mm-hmm. you know, they have that moment in the hallway, but it's, it's sort of funny that I think the way we remember this movie is sort of, it's sort of a commentary on the way this movie works. I don't know if I'm over. Yeah. No, I mean, like, like, it's like, it's like you sort of remember bits and pieces of this movie the same way he's remembering, he's remembering bits and pieces of this conversation. It sort of works better on the rewatch in some ways. Oh, I totally agree. It's like, it. I think it's so clever. And I think it really shows like the heart behind the whole point of what we're watching is like that in a way we kind of almost cling to the things that we appreciate the most. And we kind of let go of the things that we just like don't care about in a way. 
Totally. And then when we revisit it, it's like, oh my gosh, like, <laughs> oh wow, I completely forgot about this like very important part of the, <laughs> of the movie. <laughs> totally. We were talking about um, um, how he forgets the Clementine song, right? We were talking yeah. about how he forgets the Clementine song, which is such like a, like, how would you not know what that is? But, uh, but um, like, like it's, it's sort of a hint of things to come that you, that you wouldn't pick up if it was the first watch for you, but like you, mm-hmm. you sort of pick up later. I mean, it's, it's, it's so brilliantly woven in. I mean, the screenplay is like so intricate. It, it's sort of funny because it's directed by Michelle Gondry, I guess. Yeah. But it's, such a, it's, it's, it's a Charlie Kaufman movie. I mean, you, oh, yeah. you, oh, know, yeah. the, you know the name <laughs> Charlie Kaufman and it's, it's straight up a Charlie Kaufman movie. I mean. Oh, for sure. Yeah. 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 I, I was reading a little bit about it and it it's so interesting because like he was just so deeply involved in like everything was happening and I think it really worked out in a great way like after he wrote the initial screenplay he ended up they ended up going through and like rewriting certain things so that like it fit the mood they were getting to later on and so I love that he was like so involved to the point where like they're sitting on set and he's like oh, this would look way better if we did it a different way. He was just so involved with the movie, like, as they were filming. And then, like, he was super involved in, like, the editing process. So, like, I think it is very fair to kind of say this is a a Charlie Kaufman movie because, for being totally totally honest, I don't even... I don't even remember much about the director. (laughs) No, completely. I had to look up the name. And then halfway through the movie, I was like, I was like, I was going to mention what... I, 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 I... I was going to mention the name of the director and I didn't remember who it was. And yeah, so, so Hachelle Gondry is the director, but it's also, it's, it's the last movie that Charlie Kaufman uh, didn't correct. So, so of the stuff since then, he's made Synecdoche, New York. Mm -hmm. I think I'm saying that right. And then Anomalisa. Yes. So and then and then we talked about how he just this week dropped the trailer to I'm thinking of ending things. Yes, sir. Which, do you understand what's happening in that trailer? Um no. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But in good. the best way possible. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> in the best way possible. Uh, yeah, I yeah. I'm really tempted because it's based off of a book apparently yeah 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 so i'm really tempted to read the book beforehand because i think it would be like really helpful yeah but but then i'm also kind of conflicted because i kind of want to go into it blind and just like let it be a charlie kaufman like movie start to finish and then read it afterwards and like see how he like did things like i kind of don't want the influence of the book but then i do i don't know i'm very torn (laughs) Yeah, no, I definitely get that. I, I mean, if you've seen, so so you haven't seen Adaptation Mm-mm. of his work. So Adaptation is, it's basically, so he adapts a book called The Orchid Thief. Okay. And um, and The Orchid Thief is this book where this like New Yorker reporter goes down to Florida to interview an orchid thief, but she kind of writes about her sort of relationship with this guy who's stealing orchids from the Everglades, basically. Oh. But, okay, so that's sort of the 
the story that Charlie Kaufman is technically adapting. The bare bones of it. The bare bones of it. <laughs> and, but, but the same way she writes herself into the story, Charlie Kaufman writes himself into the story. So it's, <gasps> it's about, it's about this, this struggling screenwriter who, who, who is trying to adapt the orchid thief. So played by Nicolas Cage. Oh man. And then, and then Charlie Kaufman writes, his twin brother Donald Kaufman, also played by Nicolas Cage, as sort of this like up and coming screenwriter. It's it's so it's so incredible. But like oh, I love that. I guess what I'm coming at with this is that I don't think that the book. It's possible the book won't tell you anything about the movie. That's <laughs> is super true. What I'm coming at with this, we're like. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the book of that was nothing like the movie. The movie adds a whole other layer onto this. But um, dang, okay, that makes me feel a little better. Then maybe I will read it. Yeah, I mean, you might as well read it. <laughs> yeah, just a quick read. Seems just a, like just it's a, a light a, subject. Yeah, light read. <laughs> no, I mean, I mean, I have existential crises every time I <laughs> finish this movie. It's not good. Oh yeah, me too. Um, drinks. So, yes. so, so we are remote. This is my first yes. remote episode, mm-hmm. but did you make a gin and tonic? How did you, how did you I did. this? Um, well, we copied the drink of choice from um, the movie, which is kind of fun. Clementine at the very beginning, she invites Joel over to her apartment and she, <laughs> I love the line she said in it. She was like, here, have a drink. It will help like make, my like advances at you (laughs) I know yeah or whatever and I was like (laughs) oh my gosh she's so upfront about it um (laughs) so I made mine with um Bombay Sapphire gin and then just the standard easy um tonic which is I don't remember the brand it's just like off brand (laughs) tonic doesn't matter I I also made a Gin and tonic, um, mm-hmm. but but I think I think you sent me this post online. I don't know where it came from that someone yes. added curacao to yes. make it blue. So mm-hmm. I have my I have my blue gin and tonic with curacao. Yes. Um, uh, I did not do that. Um. <laughs> no, it's okay. It's okay. Curacao is hard to find, honestly. It, I went to a couple stores. I went to Target. I went to Fred Meyer. Oh. I even looked at QFC, but no, they just didn't have it. And so I was like, <laughs> well, fine. So then I improvised and I put my gin and tonic um, in my blue Nalgene. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> and then I drank it out of a straw. So Brilliant. it was basically no, no. the same thing. <laughs> No, all you need is a is sort of the idea of blue in with the drink. Yeah, so that's no, the whole point. That's, that's absolutely true. Um, so so <laughs> so QFC and Fred Meyer throw me back to my time in the Pacific Northwest. Yes, we okay. So 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 I I went to college at Puget mm-hmm. Sound in Tacoma. You you are you are from Seattle area. Kind of. I yeah. I actually grew up in California in oh, the Bay. Okay. What part? What part? Um, I was in Livermore, which is like yeah, 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 yeah. Sure. Dublin, Pleasanton, that kind of little bubble. So yeah, love yeah. it. Um, and then I me. moved up to Washington when I was fifteen. Um, and then like I went through high, the end of high school, and then went to Montana for a few years. And then oh, I moved, yeah, super fun. <laughs> oh, cool. What uh, part of Montana? <laughs> kind of random. Bozeman. I went to uh, oh, Montana cool. State. Oh, Shout nice. out 
Go nice. Bobcats. I dropped nice. out. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and then I moved back to this area, this the Seattle area, um, like three years ago now, which is weird okay. that it's gone by so fast. So like, yeah, yes and no. Yeah. Um, I'm from Washington. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Gotcha. But yes, you're in Washington. School. Yes. So we kind of flipped almost where... Right, 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 yeah. right. We probably didn't overlap at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so I was there from like 2015 to 2019, but off and on okay, okay. because I I studied abroad and then I graduated like a semester Dang. early and stuff. But uh, let's go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, Eternal Sunshine. Why? Why did you? Why did you pick this movie? Ooh. What? What? Like? Like? Like what specifically kind of draws you to this? Like, I mean, I can yeah. go on, but like. <laughs> oh, there's so many. I mean, there's so many things. Like, honestly, if you've seen it, I feel like I don't think I've ever met someone who doesn't like this movie to like mm-hmm. some extent, at least. So like, it's such a, such an easy one to pick as like, oh yeah, let's watch that movie. Um, but like on a more like personal level, like this was, I want to say it was the first movie I ever watched for this film class I took my senior year of high school. Um, I took IB film with my teacher, Miss Bacon. So shout out to Miss Bacon if she yeah. somehow ever hears this. <laughs> um, I doubt it, but that's okay. Um, <laughs> um, and this was like the first movie we watched. And it was like, that class was like my introduction to like the concept of like actually studying film and like looking at film as like an art form with like all this deeper meaning behind it like before like I always I've loved movies since I was a kid but like I just like kind of mindlessly watch them I was like haha yeah. he did a backflip cool so Eternal Sunshine was like the first movie we watched in class so like it was my first like experience with like watching something like really in depth and like purposefully seeking out like editing choices and like the scoring and cinematography and like all of these things and like it just like blew me away because this is such like an intricate intricately made movie there's so much like in it like we've been already talking about it like so much of like these subtle little things that are thrown in and like the scoring choices are even like so like pointed and it's just it's just like a work of art it really is like it's just a beautiful movie it's gorgeous Um, it's gorgeous So like I love it in that regard of like oh my gosh like that was my intro to like film which is really cool um yeah for sure yeah I'm trying to think well the other thing about it is like I always have a really hard time when like people find out I love movies and like the go-to question is always wow what are your top five movies (laughs) (laughs) what's your favorite movie I just eventually came up with a answer I don't know if it's the right answer but yeah no it's the first question that drives me crazy yeah it's so hard and like I think people get annoyed because now I always counter with like well what in what way are you asking are you asking based off of genre are you asking based off of impact like how are you asking this question because I have like 50 different ways to answer this right for sure Um, (laughs) but like this is definitely one of those movies that when I don't feel like having that in-depth conversation with people this is this is always a go-to for me like this is definitely like way up there as like one of my favorite movies of all time like I think I'd feel comfortable putting it in like at least my top 25 of like ever like I just love it yeah I just no, love for sure movie. it's definitely in my top 25 ever yeah, yeah. No, I wanted to say like I, I I had like a very similar experience with film with um I had sort of a sophomore I think it was like sophomore in high school I had like mm-hmm. a teacher that was like a teacher for 
video production. It was sort of like a prerequisite yeah. class. Yeah, 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 it was sort of like a prerequisite class that we had to take to move on to um, the like TV station that we had at school. But then totally. I just ended up sort of falling in love with the class itself and falling in love with the teacher and stuff. Um, shout out to Mr. Williamson who yeah. retired after that year, but he, oh. he, he was like this, he, 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 he was like this older guy and there was all these like comers around him, like at school talking about like, oh, he like goes to film festivals and takes shrooms <gasps> and like watches all this trippy shit. But like, he'd always be like on like five cups of coffee sitting on the desk going like, is it high concept? <laughs> like leaning all around. He was great. He was amazing. He oh, he amazing. sounds amazing. No, he was such a great dude. He moved to Oregon. I have no idea what happened to him. Yeah, no, he he like showed us all these movies. Like I remember watching like The Ring, the Japanese version of The Ring. <laughs> you watched The Ring, and yeah. I so I saw so, so I saw The Ring right before this math quiz that I had. I this like it's <laughs> like trigonometry quiz right after, and it like blew my mind. And then and then I took the quiz right after. I think I was just like high on adrenaline, and I was just like cranking out these answers. <laughs> and I was the first person in class to turn it in. I was like not great in this class. I was the first person in class to turn this in and I got the highest grade in the class. <laughs> and I was just like, maybe I should watch horror movies before all my tests. Oh, 1000%. I think that's a sign. Definitely. <laughs> Definitely. So I, I destroyed, I destroyed that quiz, but uh, it was, yeah. it was, I, I was not in a good state. <laughs> oh, no. No, I definitely feel yeah. that. Because, like, I mean, I was watching... We could, had to watch it in, like, chunks. But I would watch, like, 40 minutes of Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind and then walk oh, yeah. across to my other class and just be, like, in a pit of despair. <laughs> and then I would sit oh, down totally. and they'd be like, welcome to IB Bio. Today we're talking about the... Um, uh, I don't actually remember anything from IB Bio, so I can't. <laughs> Shout out to your boring IB. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even remember that guy's name, so that yeah. shows a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. But it was so jarring, like going and like being in a class where like we're talking about like existential dread. <laughs> yeah. And, no, no, um, no. Yeah. No. I mean, um, so I was thinking like. I, I usually either draft my favorite scenes or my okay. favorite characters. And I think for this okay. one, we kind of, there, there's kind of two characters and there's everything else. So I think we should probably do scenes. Yes. I think that makes more sense. We should probably do scenes. Do you want to, do you want to start like with your favorite scene of all time? Oh, I like, I knew this question was coming because like, obviously I listened to the podcast. So like, oh. I, <laughs> I was, oh, I, I love it. Um, <laughs> so it's really cool that I'm here. Um, so like I was meant, I like listened to all of them again and I was like, okay, he's going to ask me this. I know. <laughs> Get prepared when you're watching the movie, take note and like rank them. Take note, Clara. <laughs> take a note, Clara, pay attention. <laughs> <laughs> and I still like, as the movie was playing, I was like, oh, that's my favorite scene. No, 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 no. This one's my favorite scene. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but okay. Um, I think honestly, I'm going to go based off of the one that like when I think about this movie, it's like the one scene that I like immediately always think of too is when they're really little and it's like when Joel is trying to like save Clem in his memories and oh, she's that's so good. To, like a place of humiliation, like take me to like the worst point in your life. <laughs> and they go to like where he's with the little wagon and the bird and like 
the boys are like egging him on to hit the bird with a hammer and it's like so sad and you're like ah oh. and like all of a sudden a little clementine's there in her little cowgirl outfit and joel's dressed as a superhero and she like swoops in and like grabs them and it's like we're leaving like let's go and i i don't know i just love that scene and i love honestly how it ends with him saying like i wish i knew you when i was little and then you have that like i don't know the right term for it but i'm just gonna say like stop motion scene of her fading and yeah i know what you mean and and the background of the house goes from like this beautiful little like old school house to like this boarded up like abandoned building and you're just like oh gosh like (laughs) that's so jarring and so sad and i think i think that would be my favorite I think yeah that's such a great pick that's such a great pick I would never think of that as like the first pick but like that's that's such an amazing amazing scene like the two of them and 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 like I love this sort of cutbacks to like his apartment and like Tom Wilkinson like trying to find him it's it's like it's like a spy movie but like (laughs) with like one guy in an apartment and one guy like in a childhood memory i don't know like it's yeah. it's it's like a spy it's it's set up like a spy movie but it's not at all filmed like one which i think is so intense about it like okay yeah yeah no, no, no yeah i agree incredible. i love it it's absolutely incredible um i think my favorite scene and i probably would have picked this anyway i i i think my favorite scene honestly is that is that final scene because not 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 final scene, but the final scene of his memory of her, the scene where they break into the house and they're mm-hmm. sort of in there, and she's like, "Well, what if you stayed this time?" Yeah. And and he's sort of like, "What? Like like what?" And they're and they're sort of trying to rethink the construct of their relationship, and. Um, she says, meet me in Montauk. Well, I, I think I texted you the line before. Yeah. What was the line before that? Um, what if you stayed this time? Yeah, I, I already mentioned that. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, but, um, but uh, awesome. yeah, yeah, it was great. Um, uh, no, I mean, that, that whole scene is just like so iconic because I think in the final, final scene, mm-hmm. they sort of know bits and pieces of what happened in the relationship. However, like in that scene, in his memory, there's they know everything they know what happened and they know what's going to happen and they're still deciding to make it another go they're Mm -hmm. they're still they're still deciding to give it another go and i think there's something so beautiful about like that moment where they're just like no no we gotta we gotta give this a shot we gotta oh god it's so gorgeous oh i love it i love it so much that that that's definitely up there for me as well like it's so beautiful and i love i love the the way they they film like in the house as like mm-hmm. things are falling apart yeah and i have a fun fact um <laughs> a fun fact is that they actually built that set on like a real beach and like actually let the tide come in and like break it apart which is so cool there's also some controversy with that because the director was like very insistent he's like we have to film this on the beach and (laughs) i like your michelle gondry impression thank you i really it yeah you've been working on that one yeah i'm really good at impressions um (laughs) i do the same voice for everybody (laughs) oh great okay good good to know um and uh, 
the the production crew was like oh this is a safety hazard this is not a good idea i don't want to do this and he was like then i fire you <laughs> and he made other people do it and then the union leader got brought in or something and he like scolded the director in front of everybody and was like how dare you do this to these oh people? wow you're doing things wrong but like it's gorgeous so honestly it worked out like i usually am not a fan of putting workers at risk but it's kind of worth it for this put, put workers at risk if it's beautiful for art <laughs> maybe yeah just a little bit <laughs> just just a little bit of risk yeah, minor bit of risk <laughs> it's like yeah you might get swept in the ocean but i mean but i mean i mean the shot though i mean the, the cinematography i mean what can you yeah <laughs> no it's a it's a it's a gorgeous scene i i I, I had no idea the history of that that scene and everything. That's really, really fascinating. It's um, so interesting. Yeah, like like I've heard though that so much of this movie is practical effects. Like mm-hmm. I mentioned to you, like that scene where he goes back into his memory and he's in the doctor's office. Um, I feel like I should have mentioned spoiler alerts at the beginning of this, oh, but yeah, like maybe talked, I'll just well, do that. <laughs> I'll just do that in the intro, so we don't have to worry about that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> major spoilers throughout so so (laughs) i feel bad but oh no but um (laughs) no i'll definitely mention it the intro the the scene where he goes back into his memory and he's in the doctor's Mm -hmm. office and they're cutting between tom wilkinson and like earlier him in the chair like memory Mm -hmm. him in the chair and like him who's like observing the memory he's mm-hmm. playing both those parts they're just cutting between tom wilkinson for long enough that he can take off his coat and sit in the chair and then put on his coat and stand up in the corner again like it's oh. it's it's crazy how much like practical effects yeah are on this movie like there's a few cgi scenes like clearly like the on like the house crumbling is yep, one yep, yep. Mm-hmm. and then the books sort of fading off which is another like gorgeous oh gorgeous gorgeous scene oh, oh my gosh but <laughs> like for the most part like very very practical which is mm-hmm. which is kind of surprising for a movie like this that's all oh, kind of set sure. in memory it's not yeah. it's not kind of nolan-esque <laughs> no not at all <laughs> yeah <laughs> i think i would feel comfortable saying like a charlie kaufman's kind of on the very opposite side of the spectrum to like a a nolan completely mm-hmm. completely i'm sort of fascinated as to like how these guys actually dream like their movies like does nolan dream Ooh. architecture and like does david lynch dream dream like weird characters holding a log you know, like, 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 does Kaufman dream existential dread? Like, do these guys actually dream their, yeah, no, that one we know for sure. <laughs> if there's one, if there's, completely, if there's, if there's one, one we know for sure, but I mean, yeah, I'm sort of fascinated as to whether these guys actually dream like their movies, yeah. like their dream sequences or not. Oh, for sure. I've always, I've definitely always wondered that in ter- like, I think it's such an interesting thing to consider, like, how much of, like, a creator's, like, signatures are, like, prevalent in, like, their day-to-day. Like, how much of their, like, artistic stylistic choices are, like, appearing, like, in their walk to work or something. You know what I mean? Like, how much are they, like, seeing in their real life that they're, like, using in their movies? And then, like, how much of that is, like, influencing their psyche? Like, I don't think... 
I can't imagine like dreaming like in the inception every night. Like <laughs> no inception doesn't feel like any dream that I've ever had, honestly. No, not at all. But like I feel like it would almost be a disservice if Christopher Nolan was not dreaming up things about that after making such a cool movie. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Um, do we do more scenes? Yeah, let's do more scenes. Okay. Do- thank, thank you for thank you for controlling the conversation. I, I, I it's no no it's been it's been. I've been going off on tangents. Too oh, much. I have too. I don't mind at all. I don't okay, mind at all. it's 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 your turn then. Okay. Um. Okay. So this is okay. This will be my second one, and this is one that I always like. When I see it, I'm always like, "This is my favorite scene," but oh, yeah. then it also like hurts too much, and I think my brain forgets it a little bit as like a coping mechanism, and is like, <laughs> "Oh, we're just gonna push that aside." Mm-hmm. You're going to remember it if you really have to, but then don't think about it. Uh, (laughs) And it's the scene where they're under the covers and Clementine goes like, Joel, am I pretty? And she starts talking about her as a, herself as a child. And she's like, I didn't think I was pretty. And I had this doll and it was ugly. And I named her Clementine. And I tried to like make her pretty because if she was pretty, then I could be pretty. And then Joel like is like consoling her and is like saying over and over again, like, you're pretty, you're pretty. And I love just like that little moment in it just because it's like, it feels so real and so like raw, which I love. And then from there, it, it I think it that's where you kind of see like a hardcore like rev up in like the like speed of how they're showing the memories like disappearing like that's where Joel like has that shift where he's like I don't want to forget you like this is the memory I want to have that's a major moment I was about to text you during that scene but I I figured I was over texting you so yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) Yeah. no that's a that's a major major moment where it's like I don't want to forget you and then all of a sudden it's like it's like let's escape these guys as opposed Mm -hmm. to like sort of passively watching this happen yeah exactly and like I feel like honestly now I'm like second guessing just a tiny bit, but I know I just watched it, so I know this is true. But like that's the first scene we see where like he's remembering something like positive about Clementine too, which I think is so interesting. Like up until that point, we've just seen a lot of like really awful things about her, yeah. <laughs> like her drunk driving and like them fighting all the time, and like it's just so clear in those memories that like they just you just think like oh they can't stand each other like it totally makes sense that they're doing this like that they're erasing each other and they don't even want to like think about each other anymore and then all of a sudden you get hit with this memory that's like so intimate and gentle and like loving and you're like oh shoot (laughs) oh no they they really they really love each other and like now he's forgetting her oh no and then you get this cool exciting twist of like maybe we can remember like maybe we can we're gonna try yeah no it's oh my god yeah no that's such a beautiful scene and such a beautiful turning point too i i don't i don't ever particularly remember that scene but Mm -hmm. then it's such a it's such a change in the momentum of the story i think yeah Yeah. so beautiful honestly oh oh my god um (laughs) i think i think my my second i guess the fourth draft in this draft of scenes is uh <laughs> the first scene mm. and i think and i think it's honestly it's it's better when you've seen the movie mm-hmm. because i think the first time you're seeing the movie you figure that's the moment they meet and then mm-hmm. cut to jim carrey tr- crying in the car <laughs> yep <laughs> that's that's the end of the relationship so you figure that you've cut the whole the whole pedal of the relationship and everything mm-hmm. and then you come to know in the doctor's office wait they've met 
at a beach with their friends and everything. You're like, that's not the story that he just showed. Yeah. You eventually piece together as the viewer, which I mean, we've known because we're very experienced. Yeah, we're a big deal. We're a big deal. But <laughs> so <laughs> you eventually you eventually piece together that that um that's the scene of them reconnecting the second time. Yeah. But there's so many pieces in that scene that like he doesn't remember the oh my darling oh my darling oh my darling clementine song which everyone knows from something yeah. just everyone knows that song oh yeah and uh he he doesn't know what that song is and <laughs> there's so many details and, and and the way she's so open and she she says i want to marry you like very like super early right away <laughs> right away, right away. <laughs> like they're so open with each other and there's so many and and you like also mentioned to me that that she she says well he says you're not a bitch immediately yeah he doesn't know why he doesn't yeah so i mean like i i i forgot about that i didn't really notice that but i mean that that's another thing that sort of triggers you're sort of like well why does he think she's not a bitch at least the exactly. second time around oh for sure yeah well and i i feel like i know it's that hard thing of like like it's hard to look at this and like talk about it and like oh imagine if you're a first-time viewer because like yeah i know it, i know yeah. it's hard it's so hard but i i do I, it's such an interesting little statement to throw in there and like it almost comes across like so confrontational because she's immediately like well why would you even say that like right how do you know? Like, and it's so like abrasive in the way she's saying it that you're like, oh, like she's kind of a jerk for sure. Yeah, for and sure. She's kind of weird. Like, why, why are they like this? And so it's like it's so interesting to see it again and be like, oh dang. And then I'm gonna bring it back to the song because like I just think it's so cool the fact like I remember the first time I watched it, I thought like after my first viewing that he just didn't remember the song because like it literally has her name in it but the memories erased of like his mom singing it to him right in, yeah in the sink because that's where he hid with her and so that's why he doesn't remember the song is because like he was trying so desperately to save her that like you get these weird moments where like things he shouldn't have forgotten are like definitely gone because he was like clinging to her so much which i just think is so cool i just oh i love it <laughs> i love it it's so cool. It's so cool. I do also want to mention the other thing you texted me that just killed me during this whole thing <laughs> <laughs> was was uh, Joel and Anakin Skywalker would get along so well because of their dislike of sand. <laughs> and yes, they would. They it's would. True. They would. Joel says they're like little rocks, and he's all like. Ugh. I hate sand. <laughs> it's coarse and irritating. <laughs> yeah, I think they would be friends. No, I, I think, think they'd be friends. They're, they kind of mope around together. Yeah, and I mean, Joel uh, didn't want children. And Anakin, oh. you know, we know what happened with the younglings around him. Yeah, good point. So <laughs> good point. I, I haven't seen the prequels in a while. <laughs> That's okay. Anakin kills so many kids. He a lot of kids. All the kid Jedi. And so, you know, I think they just would have bonded over that. The sand thing. They both have, like, 
gorgeous women that they're in love with, I think they would just be best buds. <laughs> <laughs> they'd be great together. Yeah, soulmates. Soulmates. <laughs> um, I, 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 I guess I have to pick my next favorite scene. Yes. Um, I'm between two. I'm between two, and I'm worried. Okay. Take the other one, probably. But Ooh, okay. we should wrap it up after six. So okay, okay. Um, I'm between the scene where it's like the first scene that goes back to his childhood. It's not. It's not mm-hmm. the scene that you're talking about where he's told to kill a. Is it a squirrel? I think it's a, I think it's a pigeon. Oh, it's a, it's a pig. Yeah, that's right. That's right. It, but they cut away from it really quickly because they don't right. want right, right, right. See an so, animal so, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's between the scene where he goes back to his childhood for the first time where he's like under the table <laughs> and the Kirsten Dunst, Tom Wilkinson plotline, the first scene where the wife's like, oh, you can have her, you already did. I think I'm going to go, yeah. I think I have to go with that one because that adds, that adds depth to the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And I think, and I think what that foreshadows in the movie is that, you can't really get over someone. Yeah. Ooh, you, yes. You, you can't you can't really if if those feelings are there and you erase your history, you're not just gonna move on from the memory of someone. I think that's such a brutally honest scene that I somehow forgot about, which is so horrible <laughs> of me. But you know, I like th- there's something so poignant about that scene specifically that I think is like so incredible. Yeah. Oh, I I totally agree. And I think I think it really speaks to the concept of like when you love someone, it's not just like a mental thing. Like it's like your whole like heart, body, soul. Yeah. Like you like there's just something about it that becomes like so familiar that like it's almost like second nature to like love that person. And I think that's so cool. And I think it is so like such a beautiful like takeaway from like such a depressing movie um, completely <laughs> is that like like the people you're supposed to be with in in one way or another like you're going to find each other and like it it can keep happening such such amazing scenes i didn't draft both though so y- mm. you you still have the chance to take okay the childhood scene it's 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 up to you Oh. The last scene on our on our scene draft. Okay, I'm torn between two. Okay, I want to know your two. Oh, I uh, okay. Um, I would, I would definitely. I want to bring up the one where they're in the bookstore, and it's oh. the second to la- the second to last memory. Yeah, and yeah, like yeah. it's where they're like really aware of it. And the like we, we mentioned a little bit with like the practical, like not the practical effects, but like the books are fading, which honestly, I'm not going to lie. Like I knew at the very end of that scene, like all the books are blank, but like I had never really noticed the gradual like fade of them before. Yeah, you're going to have to be watching in the background to notice yeah. one fade. Yeah, it's, it's exactly. Yeah. It's and really it's, intense. It's so intense. And I think it's, it's such a cool editing feature to add into something like that. And it's so subtle totally. because, like, you're just so – I find myself always so, like, transfixed by, like, Kate Winslet and, like, what she's saying in that scene because it's, like – I love it because it's, like, addressing the whole, like, manic pixie dream girl concept and just being, like, screw that concept. Like, yeah. No. Like, I have my own problems. Like, I'm not going <laughs> to fix you. I'm trying to fix me. Like, I don't have time to fix you. And I just – 
I love that I love the dialogue in that scene and then the fact that like the books are fading makes it that much more powerful because it's like oh my gosh like this is such a big deal and then like there's that little moment at the end where like she's kind of saying like just remember me like just do your best like just just try and I love that and it's this interesting thing because in the back of my head I know that's not like actually her it's Joel's memory of her and so it's like it's almost like him comforting himself in a way similar to how like in the beginning he kept seeking out the doctor and being like stop this like please make this stop and he'd go to the memories of him at the doctor's office and then the doctor eventually is like well I'm in your head too like how am I supposed to help you from here like I'm just you and so then I like remember that as like Clementine's talking and I'm like this is so great like she's trying so hard to help him like remember her like she wants to remember him too and then I'm like but does she really because this is Joel's memory of her it's not actually her no that's the whole fascinating twist of this whole thing right because like because like I guess the the majority of what you're seeing of her is his memory of her yeah and you're seeing about like 15 minutes of her or something like yeah like actual her like her with blue hair which is I guess the only thing the the blue ruin hair right <laughs> yes the only thing that you actually see of actual clementine so mm-hmm. so you're sort of assuming that they had this good relationship based on his his nice memories of what they had but he could have been reminiscing on good times in that moment and they could have had a horrible relation you don't you just you just don't know because you exactly. don't you don't actually know her i guess you don't see her side of the story Mm-hmm, exactly so I think that's so interesting and then it's so like ironic in a way because she's sitting there talking about how like she doesn't want to be this like romanticized person in his life and like w- the only experience we have with her is the romanticized version of her and so it's right. like oh no like sorry Clementine <laughs> <laughs> yeah um so it's that one and then my other one is when they are on the lake and they're laying there and Joel says he's never been this happy before and he's so happy he feels like he could die right now and it's oh, like such God. A, oh yeah. it's so sweet and so beautiful and like also so sad because it's like oh no like you're an adult man like this is like your peak moment and that's that's a bummer because that means like you haven't had the most like wonderful life leading up to this assumingly so if like this is the moment that's changing your life essentially. And so it's like, yeah. Oh, Joel. Oh no. Yeah. Um, but it's so, it's so special. Like there's just so many little bubbles of like these beautiful, like very real moments between two people. And you're like, dang, like I love it. It's romantic and it's like heartfelt and you're just like, Oh, like so special. Yeah, totally. T- totally. And I think there's something about Charlie Kaufman where I, I, I kind of think this is, I kind of think, oddly enough, this is his most, like, comprehensive screenplay. Mm-hmm. This is the most, like, understandable screenplay. If you think about, like, if, if you think about, like King John Malkovich is insane. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I mean, you haven't seen Adaptation, but just trust me. And then, oh, I believe you. And then, like, Anomalisa, which I have not seen, but, like, Synecdoche, New York is 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 completely wild. Like, I feel like I'd have to yeah. see that about ten times to even start to understand it. Oh, like, yeah. It's sort of his most understandable screenplay, and I think, and I think he's sort of he he does well when he sort of like focuses in on a subject. Mm-hmm. Like Synecdoche, New York, is trying to 
conquer the issue of all of life and, mm-hmm. and our identities and who we are. And for some it succeeds, for some it doesn't. But like, I think, I think the reason Eternal Sunshine is so universally loved is because it does such a good job at just conquering our memory and our relationship. And I think mm-hmm. that the way he goes back into his childhood thoughts and his childhood <laughs> memories of everything, it, it has to trigger something in each person. Like yeah. you sort of hiding under the table, you having an uncomfortable moment with your mom <laughs> <laughs> or whatever, like, like you, you, you having these moments. And I think, and, and I think it has to trigger like something within each person, which I think is like, what's so beautiful about the screenplay overall. And it's so funny again, that we're talking about the screenplay not the directing, but yeah, <laughs> he had such a play in this movie overall. I'm rambling, but no, not at all. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's, it's such a, it's such a beautiful film. And I feel like it's so universal in so many ways. I that, totally like, agree. Yeah. A lot of people connect to it. Yeah. And I, I remember reading a while ago, like someone asked him about the screenplay like process and whatnot. And like, from what I understand, like when the idea got pitched originally, like production companies kind of wanted to take it more on like the sci-fi level and be like, Oh, you can erase memories. Like let's focus like on that on like a really big grand scale. Like let's go crazy with that. Cause that's such a crazy concept. And it is like, it is such a, it is. Yeah. Like scary to think about like, Oh my gosh. Um, but Charlie Kaufman was so like insistent apparently on like focusing in on the like relationships and like how those would be affected in a situation like this. And I think it paid off so well because like you said, like this is a very like universally loved film. It's an easily understood film, like, or at least mostly easily understood. It's easily <laughs> understood in terms of the general concept. It, yes. I, I, I still don't understand it, but yeah. <laughs> exactly yes and so like I think that's so cool and like so interesting that he has such a range where he can go from these like insane like huge overarching like focuses and then zero in so intimately and either way he's creating stuff that is so like powerful and impactful and like I I honestly don't know a single person that like like loves film and doesn't like bring up one of his movies at some point or another like he always gets totally. brought into the conversation like he's a great yeah no that's a really that's a really good point i mean he he he, he really captures something in this movie which i i think i think i wanted to eventually ask you which is that like mm. i mean the fundamentally excuse me the fundamental question of this movie mm-hmm. is would you ever erase a memory I would I always like go back and forth on this and it's funny because I think like a younger version of myself would like in a very like cynical way immediately be like of course yes (laughs) let's get rid of xyz like (laughs) get rid of it because like it's so there's such a weird like comfort in the thought of just like not knowing pain and like not having to like sit in it um especially because like I'm I'm definitely like an excessive overthinker so I like to like replay things a lot in my head like like, years later I'll be like well what if I had said hello 
10 seconds sooner would it have been different yeah, um, which is yeah. so bad um, <laughs> no thanks for thanks for traumatizing me again yeah <laughs> it's, so it's like oh gosh um but then i i think now where i'm at in life i i like really like who i am as a person like i feel really comfortable in like the person i've become and like the way i like do my life and like my general day-to-day stuff um and I think I I well I know that like I would just be like not the same person if I didn't have like terrible experiences in the past or like really bad relationships in the past like they were awful in the moment and in like the moments like sub- like right after them but like now that there's like that space and like that time to like heal like in a normal way like I'm really ha- like I'm weirdly happy it all happened because like now I'm this version of myself that like I feel really content with. So I'm like, dang, you're cool, cool gal. Yeah. Can't complain too much. Um, <laughs> Go you, yeah, Thank for you. sure. Yeah, so it's like, yeah, I don't think I would. I think, I think there's a necessity to pain, and I think, I think it's inevitable in a way. Like I think we're all destined to experience it one way or another in our Different lifetimes. Different experiences, some sort of pain at some point. Yeah. Exactly. And like, if, if we did have the ability in theory to like erase pain as it came, we would just experience it eventually again. And it would, I feel like it would be so much worse because then you don't have the, the history of it in the past and you don't have the history of knowing that like you can get through pain and like heal properly. So it's like, yeah i i like it's a comforting thought to be like oh we could erase things that'd be nice but like i think it'd be really devastating to like the concept of like humanity yeah that was a long tangent no Um, (laughs) it was it was beautiful i was like captivated that was awesome thank you (laughs) that was awesome no no i would i would i would say exactly the same thing which is that like i i I think back on certain memories of my life and I'm sort of like, that was a really hard time, but Mm -hmm. it did sort of affect the person that I am today. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and it comes back to like, I guess it comes back to the first movie I did on this podcast, which is titled Miss Sunshine. There's a great scene on the pier. Have you, have you seen that scene, you know, on the pier and Paul Dano's like, I wish I could just skip all these high school years. I wish you could just skip them. And then Steve Carell says to him, oh no, these are your prime suffering years. Like, what are you talking about? This is like, this is like what you need to like cut through the rest of your life. You know, I mean, you need to experience this time basically. And like, it gets at the same concept, which is just like, you, you don't, you, you, you kind of need to experience pain in some ways to understand what life is on the other side it's sort of brutal mm-hmm. but you kind of need to experience some sort of heartbreak to understand what 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 good comes out of a good relationship or what good comes out of you know happiness essentially but yeah yeah exactly and yes. i'm going to bring up It's going to seem slightly random that I bring up this movie, but I'm going to bring up 13 going on 30. Um, Great. (laughs) 
great movie and a fun a fun thing about it is mark ruffalo is in that movie and he was in eternal sunshine of the spotless Woo! mind <laughs> mark ruffalo pod uh, yeah Let's we go. stand that man um, <laughs> um <laughs> but the thing about that movie that i think sometimes like we don't think about just because it is kind of like one of those like quirky fun like like rom-coms for girl like for girls i'm putting that what in if you what, what if you became um, jennifer garner <laughs> Um, (laughs) but the part in that movie that's like so interesting and that like I think sometimes we forget about is that like when she like skips all that time from being 13 and then she goes into being 30 and like she just like gets dropped into it like she's so horrified with her life because like she wasn't there to like experience it and so like she missed out on like helping shape who she was and she missed out on like shaping those experiences she had into a way to like make herself a better person and she became an awful person and like was mean yeah. and like didn't talk to her family and like ignored everybody and so it's like I think that's a great example too of like how pain is essential to like being and growing as like a good person because like without it you end up like Jennifer Garner being a fashion editor bully um <laughs> which is not good <laughs> yeah yeah, don't be Jennifer Garner, kids. Yeah, don't don't be Jennifer Garner. <laughs> at least not in 13 going on 30. No, 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 at least not in that role. Yeah, no, for no, no, sure. No. <laughs> for sure. How, like, it's a really interesting concept. I I, I also found out that um, the company's called Lucina or something like that, right? Is mm-hmm. it Lucina? Mm-hmm. So, so, I think so, yeah. So, in Latin... Lucina means like a cavity or a crevice. And that's <gasps> also come to mean that that's also come to mean like the cavity or crevice in a brain that happens like during like a stroke or like a seizure where sometimes oh. like blood flow gets cut off to a certain part of the brain. So like a certain part of the brain goes dead and it's sort of like a crevice yeah. that you'll see on like a brain scan or something. So that's the definition of <gasps> Whoa. Yeah. Okay, my mind's yeah. blown about that. I yeah, love yeah, that. Yeah, yeah no, and it makes that's so cool. And it makes the line where Joel's like in the office, like getting ready for his like first appointment, and he even says like, "Well, this isn't like there's not going to be like permanent brain damage, right?" And the doctor's like, "Well, technically, this is brain damage." Yeah, <laughs> like <laughs> forgetting something that's very crucial to your identity, essentially. Yeah, yeah. they're essentially microwaving your brain. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, I really like that. That's so cool. And like, that's see, I think that's such a good example of like the like subtle things that get thrown in there that like you pick up on the more you watch it and the more you like. No, definitely. Maybe like. Because, like, like, if you're watching it for the first time, like, you're not going to think twice about the name of the company. You're just like, oh, whatever. Like, Yeah, yeah. David Cross is in the movie. I forgot about that. Do you remember David Cross? He's the guy that first hands yeah. him the slip and screams, I'm making a birdhouse. <laughs> Which is a really underrated line of this movie. It's so random. And it's so funny. Or, like... <laughs> I love, I also love when we get the, like, beginning of the memory where he's on the beach, like, when Joel goes to the beach and meets Clementine, with yeah. he's at the car with them, and <laughs> they're unloading the car, and David Cross's wife is, like, trying to help, and he, like, is, like, take the cooler, take the really big cooler, <laughs> and she, she, she cannot hold it, she's, like, this is really heavy, and he hands Joel, like, a wing of an airplane 
plane and it's like the tiniest little thing and he's like well no i can take more and he's like no no no, she's got it she's got it and you just see her like fall over with this cooler on top oh of her oh my god he has the most like <laughs> he's like so funny in this movie and like it's right. so quickly shown that like you forget about it because it's so like it's almost random where he is appearing in that yeah. like He's just interwoven between like these heartbreaking scenes of a couple breaking up and forgetting each other and then all of a sudden you get the I'm building a birdhouse <laughs> <laughs> and you're like whoa that's one of the quotes I've written down I've written down a few quotes <laughs> from this movie I'm I'm making a birdhouse yes um <laughs> um not a quote but like so one of the guys you see in the waiting room has a trophy in his box mm. and you only see mm-hmm. the shot of the trophy. So, but there's so much implied in that shot of the trophy. I think, I think what I implied, what, what I think is meant to be implied, I think is that one of his kids died. Ooh. And he wants to erase that entire storyline, but he, 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 he has a box and you don't see much. I, I, th- mm-hmm. I think the other woman that you see in the waiting room has like um has like a dog bowl and like a little bone and stuff so it's like okay she wants to raise her dog but this this was just just a shot of the trophy and you're just sort of like okay wants to raise his whole kid's life out of his see that's so interesting because i've always interpreted it a different way oh i'm curious yeah i always thought it was like implying and this is like taking it slightly outside of like the concept of like what the business advertises. But I always thought it was kind of like implying that maybe he was like really good at sports as a kid. And so he has all these great memories of like doing well. And then like something happened where like he didn't get to pursue that, like that sport, like into adulthood. And so like he has all this regret about like not becoming like a star athlete and it's like ruining his life because like it's all he thinks about and so he's like i just want to forget that i ever played i don't remember what was the trophy i'm just gonna say football it was sort of a it was sort of the top of a trophy you don't see much of the rest of it i think yeah it's so quick you can't really figure it out but like i've always associated with that concept of like he's like trying to forget like almost like a past version of himself in a way which i don't know if he's allowed that's really interesting no i i i wouldn't be surprised yeah i mean but there's so much that's implied in that shot. I mean, it's interesting that I took that yeah. in a different direction than you did. But um, yeah, that's super interesting. I like your I yeah. like your interpretation too. Though. I think that's really cool. No, I mean, I think it's interesting. That you can take it both ways, and both are completely pallid. Mm-hmm. This idea that he could have had a different pathway that 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 is just haunting him. That's just yeah. like haunting the rest of his life. Yeah. No, that's completely. That, that's that's. That's totally, totally fascinating. I think, I think um, the other, the other few quotes that I have written down are, are we the dining dead? (laughs) Which is just a great line from Jim Carrey, the dining dead. Um, I think about that one sometimes. I think that, I think the two quotes that I think about from this movie are hate me and Montauk. I think about like constantly, like every time I see Montauk somewhere. Yes. And are we the dining dead? <laughs> I think about like too often, like really? like every time I'm in the restaurant, I'm sort of like, are we the dining dead? <laughs> <laughs> like, like there, there, there's like something about that concept of like you're 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 sort of in a restaurant, you don't know why you're there. Yeah. And yeah. 
yeah you're sort of like am i just kind of sleepwalking through life oh that's so interesting (laughs) i i really like that quote and i always think it always reminds me of i don't remember where i saw i think it was some cheesy like facebook meme or something which is kind of embarrassing that i've been there don't worry whatever it's fine um but it reminds me of like some some post or whatever where someone was like yeah like I always used to think that like people who like couples that were dining together and like weren't talking were like so miserable and I felt bad for them but then like I found like the love of my life and I realized that like they were just like comfortable being in silence like they were enjoying each other's presence without like the constant need to talk and I was like oh I really like that. Um, so I pretend that's what's going on now instead <laughs> of like them actually being at a restaurant and like being miserable because I'm like, I just don't want to think about it. Like, it's so like <laughs> honestly, so I've been with like girlfriend for like seven and a half years at this point. Honestly, like most of the time I'm in silence with her at a restaurant is because I'm trying to eavesdrop. <laughs> like like <laughs> I'm just trying to like be like, what's this person's deal? So we're just eating silently and like staring at each other going like, <laughs> like, like some people next to us are just like we're just trying to like figure out what what their deal is that is an even better option and i <laughs> that. but that wasn't in the facebook post no, i think the last time we went out to this um i went out to this parker place i i i, I was overhearing this dude who was meeting up with this guy who was clearly like this this was this was great this was this was like brilliant this was like bold (laughs) sitting next to the table of so 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 this guy that he that that he'd invited to lunch was like an old friend that he had clearly like fucked up the relationship of oh no but he was trying to repair it it was something to sit next to and we were (laughs) we were dining in silent yeah as you would (laughs) just trying to just trying to just trying to overhear what was what was uh what was going on next to us that that's that's like about the only reason I dined in silent is all I can say about that I support that because um I I'm gonna get astrology for a second say I'm a Gemini and so I low-key really love gossip and yeah I don't like to like participate but I like to like I I don't like contribute but I like to listen so like hearing overhearing people like talk about stuff and I don't know them is like my perfect scenario because like I'm just I'm just passing by and I can't help it and (laughs) I have no effect on this whatsoever and it's just it's satisfying like hearing little snippets of other people's lives every once in a while it's fun Oh yeah, there's something so oversatisfied. There, there's something so satisfying about like hearing snippets of someone else's life, and you're just sort of trying to piece this together into a broader story. Exactly. Um, I do remember sitting next to this first date that was going so well. That was like it went it went so well. Like they they were literally like 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 six inches apart from each other, just like. Oh my gosh. Staring into each other's eyes. And I was like, yes. oh my God. And then he went to the bathroom and she she popped like five breath mints. <laughs> just like, I was just like, oh, this is going great. I'm so excited. That's amazing. It was amazing. It was amazing. I yeah, that's that's about the only reason I died in silence. Is the is the summation of this conversation. I I support it. I think you should continue doing it. Um, completely, completely. 
with. I, I think the greatest, I think the greatest quote I've overheard is from a horrible first date. This did not work out at all. This guy said, you see, you're an explorer. No. And I'm an explorer. And the greatest thing about being an explorer is you're never bored because you've got the whole world to explore. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> okay. That's why I'm, I'm really thrilled I'm not, I'm not dating. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, or good for like you. That. Good for you. You. you made you made the right decision. Thank you. I I would much rather stay at home and watch a movie on my own than deal yeah. with that kind of yeah. Yeah. gross nonsense. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Don't blame you at all. Don't no, blame you no. at all. I'm oh, sorry. Man. That was that was my bad on the long tangent. But no, uh, I didn't mind one second. It was a delight. <laughs> Where were we? Um. Uh, <laughs> I think we had just wrapped up our draft. Okay. Yes. Um. Do Do you want to talk about like, like the characters at all? Like Jim, Jim, Jim Carrey and Kate Winslet are both like electric in this. I mean, Ooh. I think and like yes, like why do you think they're so like <laughs> magnetic? Is there something about like their relationship that works especially well, or is it there? Is it is it their charisma like what what is it about like them that sort of works so well on screen i think mm. i think for me part of it is and like maybe this is just because i haven't seen enough of jim carrey's like filmography but like i i don't i can't think of a single other movie where he is so serious mm-hmm. and like so like almost down to earth in a way um, like the closest thing I can think of is the Truman show, but even in that, like he had, you know, he has those scenes where he's this typical, like Jim Carrey self, like he has a very like, um, stereotypical, like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. The motions good and afternoon, good evening and good night. Yeah, exactly. And so like, and, and that's in, I feel like a lot of his movies where like he has this wacky persona and he's so high energy and like so intense and like he commands the screen in that way a lot. And so like to see him in a movie like this where he's so subdued and mm-hmm, like completely. Clementine like complains about it a couple of times, but like he's almost like apologetic in like the fact that it exists like constantly. And I think, wow, yeah. And it's so cool because like that's so like opposite of what he normally does. Like it's such a, and I, I want to use the word like a breakout role in that like he, he really breaks out of the typecasting he has typically always been in. And, like, I think that is just so enthralling to see. Like, there's just something so exciting about seeing an actor, like, perform in a way that, like, you're not used to. And, like, the other one that I can think of as, like, a comparison is, like, as Jonah Hill has gone from being that, like, funny guy to, like, doing more serious roles. And, like, he's done – I think he's done a great job at that transition. He's done an incredible job. Oh, phenomenal. And so, like, he's a good example of that as well. And, like, I think that just, like – it's almost impossible to look away from something like that because it's like I've ne- like you've never seen Jim Carrey act like that before. So it's like, whoa, like this is like a once in a lifetime kind of thing. It feels like because he's just so out there and fun. So I think that's totally. a big part of it. He he he's such a blank slate in this movie. Mm-hmm. Like like Clementine is such like a ray of sunshine in mm-hmm. so many ways, and she's so open and honest. And Jim Carrey is kind of whoever you are 
Like yeah. it's whoever you project yourself onto, like because he doesn't really portray himself in any particular way. Mm-hmm. I'm another tangent. I'm I apologize for this. No, don't guys. apologize. I, I'm always fascinated by sort of goals that sort of broke actors. Mm. So if you've ever seen like there's a great documentary um that came out on Netflix, it's something along the lines of like Jim and Andy and the great yes. beyond or something yes, yes, where yes, he yes, talks yes. about, he talks about him playing like Andy Kaufman and how that just like broke him down basically. Yeah. Like, like he felt like he became Andy Kaufman in some way. Mm-hmm. And, and, um, and like, I think that's partially responsible for like the Jim Carrey you see today where he's like, I'm not Jim Carrey. I'm a, um, Jim Carrey is a fragment of the societal. I'm like, okay, okay, yeah, like, 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 I get kind of what you're going for, but like, this is this is a lot. He's yeah, he, he's he's very out there now, yeah. and and I hope he's in a better state. But I mm-hmm. like, like, I'm always fascinated by sort of roles that broke actors. I think a classic example is like. Pacino and Scarface. Mm-hmm. If you look at him after Scarface, he didn't do much acting throughout the rest of the 80s. And then he comes back and he's kind of doing versions of Tony Montana. He's kind of yeah. doing like the like the over-the-top <laughs> yelling thing. And and um and he doesn't ever really return to that. And I think the re and and returning to this movie, I think the reason this movie works so well post hand on the moon and everything is that Mm -hmm. jim carrey is playing a broken man and Mm -hmm. i think he's fundamentally a broken man trying to find himself again Mm -hmm. and i think he sort of identifies with this figure and i think that's sort of the reason that he's able to play this role so well is because he just does not he does not know where he's coming from yeah and he's sort of trying to find that again so Ooh, that is very well put. I completely agree. Yeah. (laughs) Wow, that's really good. Yeah, no, I, yeah, he's just, he's incredible. And I, I think for me also, if we're, we're, we'll also talk about his opposite, Kate Winslet a little bit. Um, Kate Winslet's great, yeah. Oh, she's phenomenal. I will, I will admit, like, a lot of time when I see her and stuff, I, I don't stick on her much. Like, I don't remember a lot about her a lot of the time in her roles Uh um and I don't know what that is I I almost feel like it's like she's just like she's so talented and she's so beautiful but in in internal sunshine there's just like so much more like oomph to it like she is like so fierce and like her character is so demanding in like the she's demanding in the validity of who she is like to the people like around her in like the scenes and so then you kind of get that same like intensity as like a viewer because it's like you almost like have to look at her like you can't not look at her if she's on completely it's like she's demanding your attention and i think that's really cool to see especially next to jim carrey who is usually the one demanding the attention and then like usually all of a sudden, yeah yeah and then all of a sudden you've got him very subdued very broken very like blank and then you have this woman who like i would argue is a little bit more on the blank side usually in her roles 
and then all of a sudden yeah she's probably like, honestly yeah right? like she does i like i've never seen anything where i'm like oh i hate kate winslet like <laughs> she did, <laughs> did a bad job like she always does a great job but it's yeah it's it is kind of that unfortunate thing i feel where she in a way gets overshadowed a lot by whoever she's beside and then here like she gets to take center stage and it's like such a like refreshing thing and like she does so well in it and like she carries the character so well in like a way that's very like relatable which i love yeah no i think she said this is her favorite of the roles she's played as well oh, i'm so happy <laughs> which is so awesome like i think like the, so like the first scene you see of her character is her on the train well i guess that's not the first scene you see of her but the first scene where she speaks is her on the train mm-hmm. she goes hi i'm clementine clementine like the song like haha like like yeah. what's your name and she's just like like in his face yeah like what's your deal like i want to know you and it's very it's very sort of it's somewhat contra it's somewhat confrontational and like you're very in his head like you've heard his his thoughts on sand (laughs) why he's going to montauk um you're you're very like in his head Mm -hmm. which like she sort of jolts Mm -hmm. into your world because you've only Mm. seen the world from his perspective up until that up until that point essentially absolutely you touched a bit earlier on sort of this idea of how he's sort of flipping the fantasy of like the panic pixie dream girl i always feel really conflicted about it because like i when i was in college i like was like the colored hair girl like i had Mm -hmm blue and purple and pink I mean I had every color if we're being honest I was like I literally was like Clementine in a way where like I would dye my hair like every two weeks and so like people would like talk about all and I lived in Montana so like (laughs) that was not (laughs) I stuck out um yeah yeah for sure I it happened a lot where it was really funny where like there is like that weird thing where like if you are around like film bros <laughs> and you have colored hair they're always going to compare you to either Roma- Ramona Flowers or Clementine mm-hmm. and it's one or the other mm-hmm. and or or also um Summer from 500 Days of Summer that one comes up a lot too those are like the three I feel like big well-known like manic pixie dream girl like archetype people like that get talked about a lot and like it is sort of ironic Um, because all those are sort of commentaries on why that fantasy isn't real so like exactly (laughs) yeah it's sort of ironic that you'd be compared to those in the content but anyways continue yes no exactly exactly that is my point exactly yeah Um, (laughs) sorry Um, no i don't mind it no that's perfect because you get it which is nice um yeah so like i always feel really conflicted about like looking at clementine's character because like i i do think at its root the intention is to confront this stereotype and be like this is not fair like this is unrealistic and, like, it's not just, like, and it's not even from, like, Joel's perspective and, like, him, like, saying it about her. It's not like he dated her and he was enlightened, sort of, like, how we see in, like, 500 Days of Summer. Like, it's not like that at all, where, right. like, the girls are, like, deconstructed as these manic pixie dream girls by the men in their lives. Like, Clementine, like, outright point blank, like, the second time they meet is, like, 
no like that is not <laughs> who I am like I don't yeah. I don't don't appreciate it I don't want you to think of me that way and then it, there's that line after that is so funny and I think is exactly why she still her character still gets compared to the manic pixie dream girl is because Joel right after goes I know you weren't gonna save me but, but I thought you were going to anyway and like god yeah that's I'm just like oh no like that's not what we want like yeah joel (laughs) joel you're letting us down so i i think it's really interesting i think i think it's a an archetype that we see less and less and less of i agree the further along into like film we get which is so rad and i think a big part of that is we are seeing more and more women come into the film industry on like every single level which is just like so exciting and truthfully like from like a like a pretend like film critic standpoint as like a woman in that it's like such a relief because it's like it is kind of exhausting seeing it over and over again and being like yeah like I relate to her but like I I can't relate to her truthfully because like the way she's being portrayed is like so like minimized and like it's just to make this boy feel better and like that's not like that's not fair and that's not realistic so it's like Oh, it's such a, I always get so like worked up about it, but <laughs> no, I, I mean, that makes I think, sense. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. I think, I really do think she does. Her character is a great example of like breaking that down and like confronting it, even if people watch it and interpret it the wrong way. Like I think at its root, it is a good example of how to get women out of that box yeah i think it is sort of ironic because she fundamentally is a fantasy like we talked about how most Mm -hmm. of the movie you're seeing her as joel's memory of her but Mm -hmm. but but it's breaking that down it's breaking that memory of them together down and breaking that and and breaking that idea of 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 them in a of them in a relationship down Yes. Yeah. No, I totally agree with that. That's yeah. spot on. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> she's she's amazing in this. Um, um, I think the other thing I wanted to mention was that I think the other movie it sort of reminded me of in a lot of ways is mm-hmm. Groundhog Day. Ooh, interesting. In, in the sense, in the sense that like, like. Like I specifically was thinking of the scene where he's taking Andy McDowell out on all these dates and mm-hmm. he's like toast to world peace. And she's like toast to world peace. And he knows her drink order and knows everything that she wants, mm-hmm. but, but he doesn't, he doesn't have that emotion behind it all. Like he doesn't, he doesn't mm-hmm. quite understand the place that it's coming from. And, and I think both this, and I think that both those movies come at like that that like the concept of like the reason you fall in love with these people is not because you have common interests. It's not because like you fall in love with the things that they like. It's because you fall in love with her identity and mm. and and like the intentions behind those actions. And like 
I think that that's sort of shown Ooh. through like the Elijah Wood character as well, where he, he knows exactly what Kate Winslet is supposed to like and all these things, but he, he yes. doesn't really mean these things because he's just doing exactly what Jim Carrey would have done in this position. Ooh, I, don't know. I love that comparison. And I'll add another film to it. Please do. That kind of works with that as well, which is Forgetting Sarah Marshall. Yes. And how, and how that is like the same thing where like yeah. you figure out the routine of the girl, you figure out what she likes, and then you just, you just keep doing it over and over and over again because you know what'll work. And then it's like this weird, like very like, subtle form of like manipulation in a way because it's, it's like, super <laughs> manipulative for sure so manipulative and like you don't like it's this interesting thing where like there i would argue there is the tiniest little bit where it it is like an attempt at good intention of i want to know like i like this girl i want i want her to feel like i know her but then it's done in a way that's like really not okay and so it's like right. the thought is nice but the act- the actions were a little messy. Let's try again. Um, <laughs> so, oh, I I like that. I like that comparison between those three films a lot. And I think it's so true. Like, and it's so interesting. Like, Elijah Wood's character is so annoying <laughs> in this oh, he's movie. He's so shitty. He's horrible in this. <laughs> oh, I can't stand him. I can't stand him. And I I think it's. I, I was honestly really relieved when, like, he's telling Mark Ruffalo about it for the first time. And Mark is just, like, his character is just, like, horrified. And he's, Mark's like, just no. like, you can't like, do that. <laughs> like, that's yeah, really like, not okay. No, he's, like, that's so unethical. Like, that's gross. Like, stop it. And I'm, like, yes, okay, good. Like, call him out a little bit. But obviously he doesn't do anything because he still tries. And, like, I'm glad that it is, like, shown, like, so, like, bluntly that that's just like not the way to do things like yeah it's like it really it really does not work out for him like the last scene we see of him is clementine like screaming go the fuck away like get away from me like <laughs> that is the last scene we see of him yeah yeah totally. so like i think that like summarizes like that whole like idea so well and like in such an aggressive way of like don't do that <laughs> yeah like get to know person like yeah, I think in some ways it's like, it's sort of Charlie Kaufman playing with the different sides of his inner psyche. Mm. It's sort of like, I I feel like specifically in this movie, you're so much in his head that like, I feel like every mm-hmm. character is a side of him, honestly. And maybe I'm overanalyzing Ooh, like this, but like, I feel like Elijah Wood is like the sort of stalkery side of him and then... <laughs> Park Ruffalo is sort of like the side of him that's like, no, you can't do those things. You can't <laughs> go and be creepy and like try to interpret things that way. But like, I sort of feel like every character is sort of a different side of his psyche. And he's just sort of trying to interpret like a breakup, essentially. I watched this interview a while ago of Charlie Kaufman getting interviewed about, um, I think it was Synecdoche, New York. Yeah, And like one of the first questions the interviewer asked was like, I've heard that like you don't like it when interviewers ask you to like say outright like what something in a movie you wrote 
means like that you don't you hate you don't answer questions that say like what does this mean point blank and he I love it because he says like very bluntly like well yeah I'm a writer like I'm writing things in a way because I want you to experience the art in like your own way like I don't want to answer questions I don't want to like fill in the holes that like you might see in what I'm writing about because like I want you to experience this and I want you to reflect on like your personal experience and how you relate to it and then take away whatever it is you decide to take away and so like I think that is so cool and I think that like supports in a way like what you're saying because that's the whole point that's the whole point of his movies is like for people to step away and be like oh my gosh like I can't stop thinking about this one thing and like and I think it means this and then you tell a friend and the friend's like well I thought about it this completely other way like how we were talking about the guy in the office completely yeah and I think that's so rad and I think like I think it's so exciting because I there are a lot of movies I would say where the filmmakers and the writers really like don't really leave a lot of room for like internal like thought about what they're making like there's not a lot of like deep like questioning about like what you just watched whereas like with charlie kaufman like it's it's a guarantee that you're gonna step out and be like there's a lot to unpack here Um, (laughs) so i think that's so cool i really like i like that a lot (laughs) yeah yeah no no completely i like that a lot too and i think it says something that we've had this long of a talk about the movie and everything i mean is there anything else you want to like add about the movie like is there anything else you want to kind of like touch on like I, I don't know what we haven't touched on yet so oh this will just be like my last like fun fact about it that I forgot oh, to talk fine. about before I I like collect DVDs um I think it's like really cool to like have your favorite movies like in a physical form but I also honestly will say that I think it's like essential in a time where everything is digital which is great but you don't you don't own the rights to a movie like there's right. so many times where like my favorite you know there's some like eternal sunshine's on netflix right now which is rad but a month from now it might not be and then who knows when it'll ever be easily streamable again um so i'm always like very pro like if you like a movie buy it <laughs> like i know it's like technically outdated but like the possibility of films being lost is so big like no completely. which is really sad uh, i completely so agree. i collect dvds I have a very big DVD collection. I'm at, I think I'm at 216 oh, right now. Wow. Okay. Which is okay. Like, exact number. Yeah. Like I have a lot. I, I like it. I think I made, I made a list on Letterboxd so I could like keep track of them all. Oh, great. Um, I'll check that uh, out. But I don't, yeah, it was, it's pretty cool. I'm pretty proud. Um, but the it, Eternal Sunshine was like the first movie I like bought for my dvd collection and it was like kind of like i had like a a handful of movies where i started where they were like childhood movies that like i just had that like my sisters didn't really want um but like eternal sunshine was like the first movie that i like sought out and i was like i have to own this movie like i love this movie i can't at that point i don't think it was on netflix so like all i had was this like vague memory of it from senior year of high school and i was like i love that movie so much and I kind of really need to watch it in one sitting instead of every day for 40 minutes, like, da-da-da. Um, so that's, like, my last, like, cute little side tangent about Eternal Sunshine. I don't have a movie 
collection. I have a record collection that's gotten pretty, <gasps> pretty massive. Yes. I don't know if you have like a record collection at all, if you collect like not really i have yeah. a record player and like a stack but they're just like my little sisters like she was really into it and then she didn't want it anymore and so oh, like, well, i'll just yeah. hold on to it like i'll take it it looks cool in my room it does um, look cool <laughs> it does look pretty cool it looks like you're pretty it looks, pretty cool. it looks like you're kind of sophisticated yeah i have depth <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's depth to the character it's like another hair color <laughs> adds exactly <depth. laughs> Oh, man. Well, I love that. <laughs> okay. Um, you want to? So I've had people sign off by saying like their favorite line in character. If in character, uh, from okay. any movie, is there? Oh, is there something you want to sign off with? Oh gosh. Okay. Okay. Let's let's do um, "Welcome to Jurassic Park" from Jurassic Park. Woo! With the with the little music, we I'll I'll improvise the music in the background. Da da <laughs> da, da da da. Wait, is it? That's just exactly. Is that, is that Jurassic Park? Uh oh. Da da da. Well, Jurassic Park was. That's not Jurassic Park. Yeah. What no, what, 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 what was I doing? What was what was? Are you doing Jaws? Da 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 da. Da, 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 it sounds da, da, like Star Wars. <laughs> it does sound like Star Wars. <laughs> I don't know what that is. Okay. Welcome to Jurassic Park. That was a lot better. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. I'm honored to be here. So fun. All right. That's our show. That song at the end was uh, from Lawrence of Arabia. I don't know why it wasn't coming to me. Uh, Thank you all for listening and have a great rest of your day. Thank you for listening to another episode of Cineflag, and I will see you next week.